Hey guys, welcome to Slash Report. Uh, I'm Prue, and this week I'm joined by almost as many people who were in the cast of The Hobbit to talk about the eponymous movie. Fair warning to everyone who felt really, really positively about the film. That was not the overall impression that we had. So I'm going to let everyone who is on the podcast introduce themselves themselves this week, starting with my co-conspirator. Oh yeah. Hi. Again. <laughs> Shut up. It's the first episode of the season. I can fuck up as much as I want. No, no. That, first of all, it's not the first episode of the season. Okay, so the and first secondly, time we That was never a rule. It is now. <laughs> okay, followed by, uh, followed by Mare, our eternal co-conspirator. Hi. Hello. I've got 20-something Kate on the couch. Uh, I would like someone to send help because she's in it. I have. She's happy here. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I was going to say, if she's feeding you, nobody can rescue you because you're already in heaven. It's true. And our very special guest calling in all all the way from England, uh, Laz, how are you? I'm very well. I mean, here's the thing. I have to admit, like, I have no real background with Lord of the Rings. My major emotional connection with it is, like, having watched all three of the previous films in one kind of, like, insane weekend and crying a lot. But, like, I, like... I think, Laz, you have, like, the strongest emotional connection with the book series. And, like, give us a little background on this before we go into the actual nitty-gritty of the plot. Well, of The Hobbit? Yeah, The Hobbit, as well as, like, its place in the context of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, that sort of thing. Well, as everyone should know, it was written for The Lord of the Rings and acts as a prequel, although it's not a separate book, obviously, to The Lord of the Rings. And it follows the adventures of Bilbo Baggins, who... Everyone that's seen the films of The Lord of the Rings will know as being one of the big characters, or one of, you know, scene-setting characters, really, for The Lord of the Rings. And it, and it follows how he came to be in possession of the one ring to rule them all. Yeah. And quite a lot of people that appear in Lord of the Rings, you actually meet first in The Hobbit. A plus. So then, given that, and the original book, The Hobbit, in case anyone doesn't know, this is part of the reason, like, everyone is, like, so fucking, like, oh my god, are you serious about this movie? Is that the original book is one book, and um, they've made three movies out of it, as compared to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which was three books, and they made three movies out of it. That's the classic yeah. movie-making bullshit, though. Totally. There is no artistic reason for doing it in three films that I could see. No, it's honestly, I think it's, like, withdrawal. Everyone <laughs> was like, I had a bunch of good hits, a good bunch of years in a row, and then, like, Peter Jackson got lonely for New Zealand. He wanted to show everyone the Rolling Hills again. And basically, they're like, let's make this movie. It's going to be two. It's going to be three. We'll give you as many parts as we want. <laughs> I basically think he just can't edit himself. And so he just kind of like throws a bunch of film at you in the cinema. That makes sense. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but I was going to say the thing as well is it's not just what they've done is they've not just done stuff from The Hobbit, the book. They've dragged in all this other stuff from the appendices. And right. Around mid- stuff about Middle Earth and about all sorts of things. And you're just like, could you not have just done the bloody Hobbit in one film? Well, I think it's- they got, like, chirped a lot for, like, leaving a lot of stuff out of Lord of the Rings by, like, super purists. And so they're like, this time, nobody's going to have anything to complain about. And then instead they just made, like, an inferior film. Yeah, but I'm, right. I'm, something, of a, I'm something of a book purist for the Lord of the Rings. And- um, excuse me? Something of a book purist? I was on your couch, Laz. I remember this incident. <laughs> yes. Feel my rage, yeah. Well, you know, but I kind of, but basically, there's not much they. It, it's what things they change personalities mm-hmm. rather than things they've left in and out of the film that were in the book. I think, and it's just to, to, 
The Hobbit is a very nice little well-contained book that tells a story and tells it well to me. Yeah. And shovel this other bollocks in is just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely agree with that. And I think also, like, the thing that makes sort of The Hobbit charming is that it is kind of very small and it starts very small. And it's like this average everyday character who sort of stumbles into this um, story that ends up being like a lot bigger than him. Um, and I feel like you kind of lose that with the way that the film is kind of framed. So like never, cause he sort of just tries to make it about like everything. And you kind of, I, I feel like lose a lot of the narrative charm of it it's big in that way. Yeah. And also for, I, I, I mean, I haven't read The Hobbit. I've made multiple attempts to actually read The Hobbit, but, like, I cannot stand Tolkien's writing. It's awful to me. I was going to say, I think everybody, when they were 12, Fair. somebody threw that book at their face and was like, read this, you little shit. It's classic. Well, I mean, The Hobbit is, like, one of three books that, like, convinced me I hated science fiction fantasy as a young child, and, like, no one ever fixed that until I was, like, literally in my 20s. Um, but, yeah, I know. So old. But, like, I, I feel like it never had, or at least the film never seems to like strike the proper feeling where you're like oh my gosh you're just like a very small ordinary nice person but that you're facing these incredible odds and being fantastic about it because like the cast is so huge it could never fully be about the the way that it needs to be in order for that to work as like the narrative framework right it's just oh. there's so many fucking dwarves here like what is <laughs> what is mark Freeman doing boinger Harper. stop we were like Girl. as leaving the movie theater last night, which, we by the way, was, like, like more than three dwarves. We were just like, I don't know, sexy-faced dwarves, <laughs> old beard dwarves, no, stupid and Well, that's, like, all I got. I also feel like, I feel like it's also one of those things, because since it is a prequel, like, the stakes are a lot lower than they ever were for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which kind of does have a similar narrative trajectory with, like, Frodo being your average sort of, you know everyday guy who ends up, you know, being taken on this huge quest that actually, like, the fate of the world is at stake. Right. Um, and in The Hobbit, it's a very similar thing, but it's a lot smaller. Um, and I kind of feel like in order to kind of jack up the action levels in it, they had to, like, throw in, like, every single historical battle that was remotely relevant to, like, the story <laughs> in order to make it seem a little bit more like, oh, my God, you guys, like, people are, you know, I don't know. And um, I was going to say, I don't, I'm dreading the day when they make the Silmarillion into a movie somehow. <laughs> Literally my nightmare. Yeah, I will enjoy that. Because <laughs> I, I read the Silmarillion. You're the only one. No. Not the one. No, actually, I know, but, like, Stephen Colbert you. definitely read that book, and it sounds like Meredith did, too. Guys, it's no, not even no. just that. Um, part of it. There's <laughs> a bunch of my friends in Toronto are, like, gigantor Lord of the Rings nerds, and they have read everything that Tolkien ever wrote, and some of them can, like, sing the songs in Elvish and, like, quote things in Elvish and, like... I just thought that they had, like, more singing in this film. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's what this was missing. Singing. Singing. <laughs> that's the Lord of the Rings. That's one of the things I really like. Because I have to say, I find the songs a god. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, like, one particularly deathly moment when they're, like, standing at the fireplace and suddenly they start singing a dwarvish song and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's starting now. No. <laughs> was that before or after I like just pulled out the flask and started pouring it into my coat? You literally brought out the flask with the first like second of the movie when it was apparent we weren't going to get the Trek teaser. That is the other thing we need to talk about. Yeah. Rage of a fucking thousand, son. So, unlike Jack, 
like we don't have pure love of hobbits or anything in our hearts so basically we like rolled up to this imac showing of the hobbit for no other reason than we wanted to see nine minutes of trek before the movie started but if we like but. sit down there's a preview for a tele no it's a preview for like a shitty television show and then it starts the Hobbit movie. And literally... It just started. There weren't any other previews. Nope. Yeah. Nothing. It just, like, the screen went black after they stopped showing you, like, the commercial track. Yeah. And I was like, oh, good. We're about to start the previews. And then, like, main titles start coming up in my cinema. And I was like, fuck. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That was the point at which I took the first drag off of my flask. <laughs> None of us were drunk enough for that movie. No. I don't like, you know... Public service announcement, if you're hoping to go to Trek, there's actually a list of, like, theaters that are actually showing the Trek 9 minutes, so just because it's an IMAX screen does not mean it will have Trek necessarily. So, <laughs> don't be like us. Make better decisions. <laughs> Learn from our mistakes. But did you see it in 3D? Yeah. 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 Because, like, I yeah, cannot I was... stand 3D movies. I will no, say it, and now I will say it. I saw the 2D one, because I refused to go to 3D. I can't stand it. Well, honestly, like, that, like, did we see? Was it the forty-six frames? Yeah, yeah, forty-eight like, between, frames. Or, yeah, all right. between the frame rate, between like the shitty IMAX glasses that make you look like Rain Man, and like additionally, just like the way he does like pan shots, like yeah, I mean, I like I'm not a person who gets nauseated at movies, even if they have like shaky cam, but this was actually kind of like making me feel like a little annoyed because I literally felt like I couldn't see anything. There were two elements of that movie that were really confusing because of all of those pieces. Number one was when Smog was breaking into the castle in the opening. Like, you literally could not fucking tell what was happening. You're like, I think there's fire. Because the pan shots were, like, so batshit. And then the second, like, in the later parts of the movie where they're going through the mines and when they're going through the mountain passes, where he did the vertical shots, I was struck by really intense and sudden vertigo because of the way everything is set up, which I don't think is intentional. And I was going to say, an IMAX in particular, if you're not looking dead on the screen, I would literally have to turn my head certain ways to focus on the central thing yeah. in the screen. So right. that's just, like, kind of, like... It was a bit of a tedious visual experience that kind of pulled you out of the film. It was yeah. a long film, and it felt longer because I was constantly, like, having to... Adjust. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of, like, the actual film experience, content-wise, content what did we think about it? Too many battles? So many battles. They're underground and they're fighting something. They're underground and they're fighting some other things. There are orcs. There are goblins. There are different orcs. Lots of wolves. Lots of wolves. Lots of dwarves. Lots of dwarves. 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 Oh, orcs. Those are all. Yeah, those look like mutations from like Hunger Games. That's like that's all I see now. Good. The thing is, as well, the whole you know the the pale goblin, right? Yeah. The CGI on that looked like a computer game completely to me. That whole, all those goblin kind of stuff, just like computer games. It was so kind of annoying. And we were really like, good at their prosthetics, and they're usually very good about kind of giving you a concrete thing to look at when they can. But yeah, it was it was actually very distracting. I agree. I mean, I do think I do think the wolf things are better than say like Twilight werewolves, but like you know that's a terrible baseline for anybody. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, that was something I hadn't noticed, and I think it was because of the way IMAX was appearing to us, but well, I, I imagine that it's even more distracting. Well, I also think that it has, I read somewhere that has to do with the frame rate, like the way that the frame rate in 
interacts with whatever lighting and saturation and colors like it makes the it made that this the settings and the special effects look false even though all the colors were so luscious and mm-hmm. things like that it's just like you need that filter of unreality there to help you along with the film to make sure everything melds and I don't know I don't know if that's actually true I don't know anything about the technical aspects of film but I read that somewhere and I was like well seems like <laughs> Well, no, I mean, like the the other movies were more convincing in terms of special effects. And I have to say, there were things that, like, I'm like, I have a pretty good visual memory yeah. for like scenery. And, like, there are certain things where I'm like, this is the most continuity minded group of human beings like on the planet, and like these things are obviously looking very visually different. Rivendell looked very different to me, like a lot. And I'm like, well, to be fair, this was Rivendell of- sixty years ago. It's like, that's like five minutes for an elf. Like, I don't think they came more in 60 years. You know, like this cunt got in there. It came a hobbit to Isengard. <laughs> Saying obvious things. A distraction. Yeah. A red, like, a red sun rises. Bloody Prince Bill this night. Yeah, you killed it. Yeah, I mean, I will say, like, speaking of, like, that kind of thing, I feel like I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's just because I did really enjoy the original trilogy so much, and, like, you kind of, there's more of a feeling with, like, the fellowship um, in the trilogy that, like, the sort of, like, ragtag group of, like, random-ass people who are, like, you know, united together for a common goal, and they were all kind of, like, different and stuff, and I, we were, like, fond of all of them, they all had very sort of distinct personalities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel like you got that as much with like the company of dwarves. You can't. This well, one. It's possible. There were two men. Yeah, I, I yeah. And I mean, like that is just sort of the way the book is too. But like, I don't know. I mean, you probably like, if you had so much time that like if you're gonna split this into three movies, you probably could have like devoted some time into like all of them having this little character beats. So you cared about them a little more than you ended up doing. I mean, besides like Feely and Keely and like you know Thorin and like the old bearded one. And, like, that's about it. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's also, like, Kevin I mean, the of this, um slingshot. Yeah. And that's really, those are, like, the only four I can tell apart. Yeah. Well, the others didn't much to do, really. You know, they were just... Yeah, no, that's true. But, I, I mean, I feel like if you're going to be, like, self-indulgent and just, you know, roll around in this for, like, how many, like, probably, what, it's going to be, like, a seven-and-a-half-hour, like, thing by the time it's all done, like, then you could have probably, like, devoted some time to characterization and, like, good work. I mean, but, like, I'm, I'm also one of those people where, like, character-driven stuff is really more like my jam more than action, so that would always be my preference, but clearly it's not really happening here, so. Lots of, but even in the book, lots of the dwarves, there's the less of dwarves that don't do much, and you don't get personality. Yeah, no, that's very true. Going back to the whole point of, like, why I can't fucking stand Well, I mean, like, again, like, if you have, a, like, a cast that's big, that's, like, that big, and you're just using it on 13, 14 at any time, like, you gotta make those third more interesting than, than like was originally given. Yeah, like you could have done stuff. And I, mean, I okay, I devil's advocate. That's I, I can't because that's all true. Like all, everything about character is like all true. I was about to say like the the one character I mean that stood out for me is like most entertaining, as in all movies, most entertaining was Gandalf, who like I fucking loved so hard in this movie like he basically just like he's just like a living embodiment of being a troll like a stoned troll like non-stop and then like he introduced like brown forest which stoned troll with like bird shit in his hair and i was like everything about this entire sequence 
fate, <laughs> including the rabbit sled thing. I was like, good, let's just stay <laughs> here sled. and just like watch this dude with bird shit in his hair. I'm like, this rabbit sled forever. I have to say, I'm much more invested in that like the possible survival or death of that hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> also, that entire film. <laughs> Yeah, that's super fair. No, I, I enjoyed him. I mean, obviously, Gollum was also, like, a great crowd pleaser. You could almost see, like, the audience in the theater we were at was like, yeah, when Gollum rolled up. And I feel like there's this note of, like, thank God. <laughs> Recognize him. We know what's going to happen. Um, and, of course, Andy Serkis, again, was delightful and perfect in that role. But, um, yeah. acknowledging the kind of, like, what the shit duality of like Gollum and Smeagol and just like Martin Freeman's face just being like eh, eh. <laughs> just gonna gloss right over this it's fine that's it's fine that's fine I'm just gonna take this ring and walk away that's I'm what I'm gonna do I mean, and I feel like I think one of my, some of my favorite parts of it were sort of these very like restrained like wink wink nudge nudge moments to like the told the people who are obviously you know and stuff and like where it wasn't like hitting you over the face and sort of like, you know, the elbow nudge of like, you know, when he comes out of the cave and he sticks his hands in his pockets and Gandalf's like, oh no. Like, those are the kind of like beats where you can kind of tie it to the, like, the, the, in terms of tying it to like ultimately leading up to the Lord of the Rings trilogy in a way that wasn't really like heavy handed and stupid. <laughs> so, I would like more of that. Other things I liked about that was like the um, Gandalf and Saruman scene, which other than I liked that it was like that perfect scene of like, your friend's friend at the party, and you fucking hate that guy, and he always shows up. Um, it's Saruman being, like, kind of antagonistic with Gandalf, but not out-and-out, out, like, evil. Like, he yes. kind of immediately is in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, because, like, you're looking at that guy, and you're like, that guy's evil. One, he's played by Christopher Lee. Two, he looks like a bitch. Three, like, I don't trust him. And, I, like, the first moment, you're supposed to be like, am I really supposed to believe that this is a good guy? Like, the second you see him. Like, this, it was, like, maybe it was his fuzzier beard, but, like, you're, like, okay, I can see where this guy's still a bitch, but he's not, like, full-on evil yet. Yeah. How did all of that work for you, Laz, in terms of, like, characterization and, like, the little nods that they did for the super fans? I wasn't such a, the whole thing with, I have to say, I found Kelly Gandalf was really irritating. Ah. Irritating. It felt like he was hamming it so badly. And the twinkling. But I was muttering out of my stop fucking <laughs> all the time. And that just, I don't know, he just really irritated me. And it kind of, and the ham acting, I just found really off-putting. Right. Yeah, I wasn't that keen. And I, and I can't remember being that irritated at him in, you know, Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, I mean, I did, the problem is when you do something like this, is I, I felt in a way there was too, they were relying too much upon the Lord of the Rings films, you know? Right. I kind of would like, it's them to have made a film which you could actually go and see without all the other extraneous rubbish and that it stand on its own. I yeah, know, I, it's naive, but because the book did stand on its own as a you know the prequel, yeah. and it felt that they were they were kind of like smugly yes, we've done the other films already, and you'll remember this bit, which I found it was a bit kind of like you can shut up. There's lots of you know you could make a better film by tearing it down. Well, we can say that we'll be saying this until the cows come home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there is sort of maybe like a note of like fan pandering there and being like, you guys yeah. like this, <laughs> like trotting this out. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I, like, ideally, I feel like I think in a, in a perfect world, we could go back in time and Peter Jackson could have made this movie before he made the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And so, and then I don't know. I think it just would have, and they would have just been one film 
and this is like my ideal like fantasy for this movie like he would have made it before and it would have been one film and like there would have been a couple nods to like what's to come but it wouldn't have kind of overwhelmed it the way that it, it did here I am distracted from it no. that 10 minutes of Hobbit at the beginning of like the 10 minutes of like backstory of Middle Earth and like this is the, like this is what happened in the Hobbit at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring I was like okay talking about Hobbit for ages and we haven't really discussed the Hobbit himself, Martin Freeman. What did we all think about Martin Freeman playing the Hobbit? Personal opinions of Martin Freeman and his stupid mouth aside. I thought he did a good job, actually. I kind of I liked him. He was kind of I liked as well you did feel that he would end up as Ian Holm. Some you know? Yeah, there there was a continuity there. It made it the works. Yeah. Um, I, I thought he was fine I thought he was fine. I thought he was quite down, you know, on the down, you know, low key. Yeah. And the thing you were saying about, you know, the journey of the everyman, he was a kind of exasperated, kind of like just wants to sit at home in front of the God, I know that one. You know, just without being harassed and then going off and finding that innate thing that's in the Lord of the Rings is really such a big theme is kind of like bravery of the little person. Right. And, and I like that part of it. I like that he did, I think, come up with that. Yeah, this is just as ordinary person an extremist well, can, can can be brave, can be heroic in their own way. And some of a lot of the other stuff going on, I felt detracted from that a bit. You know, some of the, it's so big and flashy, some of it, or lots of it, let's face it. But but it kind of it didn't balance out as well as I would have liked it. Right. I, I can say I, I, I think for like a film that's called The Hobbit is about him. Like there was a lot of stuff that was not about this. And like you need that kind of like it's not that people are unfamiliar with the universe and they need like an introduction to it through like a narrative they can relate to. But what they really like, this story is like part of the allure of it is that it's coming from this person who's so ill-equipped to do it. And if you don't kind of like, and I'm not saying you should be bumbling, but like the idea of like, if you don't kind of like tie this story to what it's like to be Bilbo experiencing it, it loses a lot of it. It's kind of like function in my opinion. Yeah. And this is very much like, this is you're right. In, in terms of, like, filmmaking, this is, like, a failure of editing because, like, if you want it to be, if you want it to be a more intimate film in the sense, like, this is one person's sort of ridiculous journey through these madcap adventures and feeling very small and not capable of handling it, but realizing that you're much bigger on the inside, like, your TARDIS or something <laughs> like that. Nice. You absolutely failed because you're, like, so wrapped up and all this other crap that's going on. And you're just like, I don't, like, I don't like any of these people. I don't like the dwarves. They're dirty and they're bad house guests. And <laughs> that's your own personal issue, but yeah. <laughs> it's important to me. I don't really care if they get their castle and their gold back. And I, like, hope the dragon needs everybody. But I, like, just want to those, like, realize that he's poor. He, the feather was always in his cap, you know, some shit like that. It's just, like... You never got to focus on him as a character at all in the film. Shut up. Yeah, and I also think, like, a lot of, and even when the times when they were trying to sort of give you some insights into, like, Bilbo's character and where he comes from, it was in this very, like, you end up being like, remember that time when you were a kid and you were cool and then, like, you know, very stuffy and boring and Bilbo was like, hmm. And, like, you know, that was sort of, like, the level of sophistication in terms of, like, showing you who this person is. And um, it didn't exactly work for me. And, like, you know, I think, like, I would have really liked, you know, that moment when he wakes up and they're all gone. And, like, he decides, he changes his mind and he runs out of his house and he decides to go. Like, it, it felt like I didn't really get, it seemed just very, like, abrupt and I didn't really necessarily see, 
like him actually being kind of stifled by his wife and wanting to like do something you know Which, like, yeah. being as unconventional and like wanting that actually even though he ostensibly is like you know all wrapped up in his like mother's doilies in like china um which is kind of hilarious and like, I, I guess I just didn't really feel like that sort of like that turn in his character I, I didn't really feel like it set it up sufficiently for me no because they spent 20 20 25 minutes with yes. behaving appallingly without actually right. showing that progression where they could have spent that time that 20 minutes or 25 or oh, eternity as it felt actually <laughs> you know leading to the point where you can see Bilbo see his life as it was and see why he might long for something different yeah right. exactly yes exactly um and I basically like no part of that opening scene. So like I I'm fully aware that like all of my crazy is on like full ass display right now. But like no part of that opening scene where these assholes who showed up uninvited and like marked up the paint on his front door, like just came in, ate all of his food, and were just horrifically rude. Literally your nightmare. Literally, literally my nightmare. Because I could never throw them out for like so many reasons. But like just Nothing about that makes me want to help them at all. Like, just like, oh, you want your home back? So do I. Get out of my house. Leave my fucking doilies alone. Those are antique. And my mother's china is <laughs> so drop dead. Like, get out of here. Like, this is my hobbit hole. This I is my hobbit hole. I have to defend it. Like, I didn't <laughs> understand. Like, they completely failed to make that work for me. I was just like, why are you helping these assholes? Just let the dragon eat them. Yeah, I mean, I also kind of feel like the... The way that you kind of, I think, have to set that up is you have to see sort of that his life is, like, a little too small for him and a little, like, stifling and that he actually that. But instead, I feel like you sort of just got, like, the Hobbit being, or like, the Shire, excuse me, being, like, you know, it's usual, like, sunshine birds, like, charmingly pastoral and, like, blah, 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 blah. And um, I feel like, I don't know, like, in, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, in the first movie, you did kind of get the feeling that, like, Frodo does like want something else. His provincial life. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I, I guess I just didn't really feel like I just wanted sort of that setup where it was like a, a couple beats of him, you know. Like the sign was like, not quite content. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think like I feel like Martin Freeman did a good job. I feel like my, my problems with like in terms of character were sort of more related to like, you know, the direction of writing of the movies and yeah, I mean, he, he played it very endearingly. I actually like him a lot, especially because I never watch any of his interviews. Um, Don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, like, if you want to enjoy Martin Freeman as an actor, you probably shouldn't find out much about him as a person, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, I liked that part. I just, like, was very much like, ugh, why, why, why? Like, I, I fundamentally didn't understand the, like, the motivation behind the film at all. Well, I want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the dark magic employed to make uh, Elijah Wood and Kate Blanchett somehow look even younger than they did like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, Kate Blanchett definitely. Elijah Wood definitely. I think his his perm was was not really the same. <laughs> in some weird on on a way, I can't put my finger on it. His hair got a little worse, but <laughs> <laughs> his sweet face is foxier, so maybe they tried to make his hair curlier to balance it out. Yeah, probably. And I don't think Foxy isn't sexy. I mean, it's more angular. <laughs> it's changed! The fuck do you want from me? Yeah. I also feel like I'm... I'm part of me is also interested to sort of... The way that they set up the frame narrative of it, of it being like Bilbo writing his book, 
Um, I am kind of curious to see how they actually end up like resolving that in like the final film. Yeah. Like, is it going to end with him like at the party and then like disappearing, or I don't even know. Like, because you already know that he like dies. Well, also, like, I like the implication that it's it is the party day and Frodo's going out to meet like Gandalf and like jump on his hayride and then. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, 
Yeah, and I, again, I feel like it's also like it's a, it's a reduced stakes issue versus like the original trilogy, which like it would be nice if we didn't have to compare them, but uh, you know, unavoidable, unfortunately. Or like you know, a dark lord trying to impress an entire land versus like a dick of a dragon, you know, supporting <laughs> gold. Like, like it's just never you're never gonna quite get there in terms of like the oh shit like feeling of like terrible things are going to happen. So I don't know. They tried. They tried hard. Gold's yeah. daughter. He tried. Yeah. And I, I guess, like, in general, like, not, like, in, that I feel like there should have been any doubt in the mind of, of like, any person watching the trilogy if has never watched or read any of the books, being like, oh, no, do you think they'll prevail? Like, yeah, they're going to prevail. But, like, there's, like, especially, like, extra lower stakes because, like, well, we super know you do because we watched all of those other ones that are all predicated on the succeeding. Do you think that and I feel like that's probably one of the reasons why they tried to inject some, like, you know, narrative action and drama by throwing you every battle of Miller ever in there. Also, can we talk about Pale Orc's claw? for arrested development. I just think the orc doctor in there is like, he's going to be all right. They're like, he's fine. He's like, well, no, he lost a hand. So now he's going to be all right. All right. <laughs> I hate this fucking doctor. I hate this fucking doctor. Yeah. Yeah, what were you saying earlier? What? Or Laz, what were you saying earlier? Well, I was just saying, do you think, I'm, I'm wondering, I just wondered with this film, people going to see it, how many people will go to see it that haven't seen The Lord of the Rings? And I think part of my worry is the assumptions made by the filmmakers, either way, assuming that they have or assuming that they haven't, that if you hadn't seen Lord of the Rings and just went along for, I don't know, shit and giggles, do you think you'd actually kind of feel differently about it? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't think I would, but I'm not a fan of this type of film normally. Hmm. I don't know. What do you guys... To weigh in with a metaphor. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mare took me to go see... Uh, Serenity, and I had never seen Firefly, so I I still had to like engage really well with it, and I still felt like it was the characters, and I still felt like I had a good idea of this universe. So I mean, like I feel like somebody who hasn't seen Lord of the Rings, although like I don't know who this person is, because uh, like I feel like you've not like by accident you've seen five minutes of it on TBS, like everyone knows. Um, but I feel like somebody who is watching it would really have no idea why this movie was happening to them. Like, why is it so long? Why is it three films? What's going on? Who are these people? Why should I give a shit about it? And I think that's honestly, like, a failure of expectation on the part of movie makers, assuming that, like, everyone who's going to it has, like, a straight-up nerd boner. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, like, and I don't necessarily know that that's, like, a, a bad assumption to make, but I feel like if you're talking about, like... The delicate balance of trying to do one of these things is that you do want to make sure that it makes sense for the people who are, you know, just just tuning in um, and give them enough exposition, you know, to know what's going on without boring the people who already are familiar with all this stuff. And then also making sure that you you have like, you know, some fan service for the hardcore fans who are, you know, who have read every book of the Silmarillion and like without, you know, completely confusing the people who don't know about this. So I think it is like a very it is a very tricky line to walk. Um, but again, like, I honestly don't even know if you watch a movie that doesn't have any interest in work for doing. But maybe they're, maybe they're out there. I'd be interested to hear from them. I think starting off with Bill Bow and Frodo at the beginning, it did occur to me, I thought, if you take, coming into a cult, 
you were sitting thinking, who the fuck are these people? Because they didn't actually explain anything really about who they were. You know, you're straight, straight into these characters that if you've seen the other films, you know exactly who they are, whether you've read the books or not. But as of coming to it cold, I, I did think, you're probably sitting there thinking, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, no, I, I think that, I think that's also fair. I also thought it was kind of interesting. Like it was a weird choice to me also to have to go from like Bilbo telling you about the history of like the dwarves and everything, and you know the stone that was lost and blah 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 blah, and then um, and then just kind of like dropping you right in the in the middle of like you know a flashback to like you know Martin Freeman Bilbo like just sitting there and then suddenly just Gandalf standing over him. Like, it was, it was weirdly abrupt. Like, you didn't really get a time to, like, find your feet at all before it was suddenly, like... And then I was just sitting there smoking a pipe, and there's, like, a creepy dude looking at me, you know, like, in a, in a gray, you know, hat and stuff, and you're, like, interesting. <laughs> it was an interesting choice. Like that, like, we needed the wavy lines. Was that, um, I work with kids, and a lot of them, like, they saw the Star Wars prequels, and, like, those were the first Star Wars movies they saw. and Because, like, they're picked for fucking mm. excited to show it to them in order. Why? In order. And so, like, I'm sure there are people out there who, like, they're like, hey, kid, we're going to go see The Hobbit. And you haven't seen the other Lord of the Rings films because I'm going to do this right for you. And you're like, oh, maybe don't. <laughs> I can't tell if that would necessarily be bad, though. You know? Like, uh, like our perceptions of this are so colored in by the fact that, like, that movie lasted a million years <laughs> And, like, we literally showed up there to see Star Trek, which didn't happen, and brought flasks. So, like, I can't tell, like, how much of that was just, like, us, like, having not wanting to engage. Not wanting to enjoy it. But, like, people, like, we laughed, you know? It was fun. There were moments of, like, like very cool charm and humor in that. And, like, the sets were amazing, and it was just fantastic to look at. Like, all things even, there were interesting about this movie and they did do an amazing job like but i feel like literally every time like if somebody who like kind of like open to a like a fandom dialogue asked you like how the hobbit was you'd be like oh it's okay yeah that's true that's true and i think that mediocrity when the other movies are like so engaging and so kind of like you're like oh my god i love them i have like a day off i'm gonna watch all three of them and order pizza and live like a monster like <laughs> and cry and cry and cry some more <laughs> What? Or make friends with me and cry a lot <laughs> if you're me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I feel like unless the next two movies somehow are so great that my eyeballs explode and it's like that scene from Rage where like I like melt because it's so cool. Like I would never. <laughs> maybe, maybe um Bilbo will drive a police car into a helicopter and uh. That <laughs> <laughs> would do it. Or into a dragon. That's also. <laughs> That should happen. Straight. Someone tell Peter well, Jackson. <laughs> I know this is a dud, PJ, but have <laughs> you thought about firing a police car? It's really bad. I came out thinking I'm not sure I can be bothered with the next one. Oh no! Oh, I know. Mm. And the, thing, the one thing, I mean, I love Smile. Seriously. And I really, all through the book, I've got to confess. Rooting for the dragon. I, but anyway, I felt kind of cheated, and I know they did it on purpose. I think they did it on purpose. They know everyone wants the dragon, yeah. and so sat through this long-ass bloody travesty of a film, and it's just a dragon at the end to try and make sure it goes to the next one. Yeah, that was 
like super good is some stupid son of a bitch was in that movie theater and they're like man this is really taking a while they aren't very close to it <laughs> not really seeming to get anywhere and like so not knowing there's another movie and another two movies ahead oh yeah somebody must not have done and I want to be inside that person suffering <laughs> <laughs> good no, I actually, I feel like, and I, I could be wrong about this because I haven't read the book in a while, but I feel like, I almost feel like they kind of got like halfway through the book, but they're still, but they're only one third of the way through the movies, which mm-hmm. doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence in how the next two are going to go. Well, there's, you know what I mean? still, there's always more appendices and singing and elvish, they conclude. I hope people should put Tom Bombadil at the end of the third movie. Just to <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so mm-hmm. cross what they did with Yellen 
and the whole thing of Mary knowing who she was before they actually got to the, you know, Pelennor Fields, you know, with the Witch King. And it was a bollocks because it's a bloody, you can, the audience is suspending enough belief as it is, you know, disbelief as it is. So they can suspend it enough to believe that Mary doesn't actually know that Dernholm is actually young, which makes that big reveal when Young stands up to the Witch King on Pelennor Fields so much more dramatic and his response is directly because She's standing there ready to die. So Mary does this amazing act of bravery and they fucked it up. And I'm still angry to me, isn't it? <laughs> uh-huh. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no. Uh, literally, like, if you could see this, it was just me on the couch nodding, just like, <laughs> I'm asked right on my face, being like, let it out, reference okay. you. <laughs> I don't even talk about, yeah, uh, what's the face? Oh, and it's still, don't even, let's not even go there. <laughs> Not even going uh, See, see, the interesting thing is, is that I actually like. Um, I saw the first movie before I read any of the um, the trilogy at all. So I kind of, I think, imprinted on the films first, and then basically read the books after the fact. And like, so I'm not really like a purist about them, but I will say, like, there was a part of me, like, I, in a purist standpoint, that um, at least for the Hobbit movies, where I was like, ugh, what are you doing? <laughs> just ruining this book and like i'm not normally the person who ever says that about a movie like if it works on its own terms as like an adaptation then it's fine with me even if they don't do like all these things that they did in like the original source material but that was not really my case here so well no i agree i think if people do something with i've seen films that i love that have changed some things and i've kind of thought, actually it works within the context of what you're doing in this film I, right. i'm it, you know but the, for me some of the stuff they changed in Lord of the Rings, and it wasn't even action they changed, it was characters as much as anything, or, or little small things that actually had a huge knock-on effect. I actually couldn't see why they did it. There was, to me, there was no logic. It didn't make it better. This is, I know this is personal opinion. I don't think it made it better. I, I, and I think it changed it ways which were actually detrimental to the story. Uh, actually, they really oh, yeah. the whole thing. You know, your mileage may be. All right, so as we sort of concluded, uh, Papa was interesting it was fine um it was way too long um but instead of recommendations this week because as i leaned over to 20 something during the movie when like (laughs) the dwarf prince hugs bilbo i was like this is already happening on the internet so i refuse to like do any recs related to this movie although i could tell you the terrible story i thought up on the train shut up i'll kill you with fire (laughs) i want to hear about it i'm gonna propose is that everyone (laughs) recommends a different movie to watch in lieu of the hobbit in lieu of the hobbit to like cleanse the hobbitness out of your mouth um you mean like that's actually in theaters right now or just necessarily like something like that just like a good movie or something that's like coming out soon or like something that you think will be better to save your 20 bucks on the imax for versus the hobbit don't um, ever see anything at IMAX. Save your money by doing that. Jesus. That's true. Or like, go see a nature documentary in IMAX. How, what IMAX was intended for. Or space movies. Yeah. yeah Nerds! Wreck a fucking movie. Or even worse, how that film's about uh, Shackleton's trip to the Antarctic. Yes! Straight up. Yes! Fine, then you recommend a movie. Oh, I will. Fine. I will tell you what movie that everyone should go see and save their money from The Hobbit to go see this. Because even if it is terrible, it will be deeply, thoroughly enjoying. It's coming out February 2013. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) 
going to be amazing. Because the catchline for this baby is Yippee Kayaye Mother Russia. So you know, like, this is going to be a quality piece of film. And if in the fourth movie they already escalated to killing a helicopter with a car, just imagine what he's going to murder with a Russian make in this film. Just think about it, how great that's going to be. To get that back on topic, I'm going to instead recommend that you just go rewatch March of the Penguins, because that is also a movie about short people on a journey. But it's better. <laughs> no, no, because I cried like a baby during March of the Penguins. I you were a sharky person. You were a fucking dark. You know what? That actually, I feel like, speaking of that movie, I feel like this movie would have been a lot more improved if just like Morgan Freeman had been narrating it. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a lot better. I feel like March of the Penguins so, is what the Hobbit should have been. a dragon and Morgan Freeman narrating it, and then that would have solved most of my problems with the movie. Oh my god, someone on the internet with, like, editing skills, please cut those things together. I never wanted anything quite the way I want that. As soon as the DVD rip of this movie is available, someone please, for the love of god, (laughs) make that happen. Um, in terms of a film rec, though, I I don't necessarily think it's going to be good. I feel like it's probably going to be, like, cheesy, but I do know that I will be watching it on Christmas Day and, like, crying a lot anyway. It would be Les Miserables, because, you know. Oh, yes. Oh, because I was going to say, I thought your, Mayor, I thought your movie recommendation was Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunter. Hansel and Gretel, January, okay? And, like, yes, I will also be seeing that, like, piece of, I, it, gets, it gets worse and worse the more I find out about it, but it doesn't matter. I'm committed. Like, it's, it's, like, basically, it was an unbreakable contract. Somebody was like, Gemma Arden and, and Jeremy Renner play hot siblings killing witches, and I was like, done! <laughs> you could literally punch me in the face as my entry fee to see that movie, that's going to happen. <laughs> I have a feeling that's basically what's going to happen. Um. <laughs> Laz, what about you? I, I was also, although I was also, it's not going to be, I don't think it's coming out this week for quite a while, actually. I was also going to say Les Mis, because um, I have to say, when I sat in the cinema yesterday morning, waiting, they had the, waiting for the film, and they had the trailers on, they had that on, and I was teary. And I had more emotion about that than I did in the time fucking on it. That movie's going to destroy so many lives. Like, everyone's going to come out of that theater a wreck. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do know that they haven't gotten, like, entirely, like, universally positive reviews all over the place, but I'm like, ah, I don't really care. That's not what I'm here. <laughs> I was going to say, like, my feelings are sufficiently strong that it's going to happen. Yeah, but a lot, don't you think a lot of those reviews are going to be based on people who, A, either can't stand musicals, or B, can't stand Les Mis. I, I don't understand who those people are. Like, <laughs> yeah, just to be the hater on this episode, I hate Les Mis and I hate Tolkien, so I won't <laughs> see either of them. Dead to me. Well, you you know, guys, don't worry about it because she loves the fucking Sentinel and she thinks Teen Wolf is great, so we all know what his taste Best is like. Best taste in the world. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Kate, your movie. Uh, I'm really excited for Django Unchained. Are you serious? Yeah, I did. I'm serious. Um, I have a strong weakness for Quentin Tarantino movies. I like the idea of Leonardo DiCaprio being an evil slave-holding villain. <laughs> I like the idea of Christoph Waltz and James Bond going around and killing people. I There's not a thing I don't like about this. <laughs> Real good. Cool. 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 You can see out of my apartment by In like five minutes. <laughs> In like five minutes. <laughs> 
but that's I, that's it for me. Does anyone have closing thoughts that they want to leave the slot reporters with as they go about their lives? There are six more hours of this movie to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, I think here's like the ultimate like conclusion I'd say is that probably like yes, eventually you're going to have to see this in order to keep your nerd stripes, but you should maybe wait and like just get it on DVD when it comes out. So you can like pause and take pee breaks and like you know. Wait for the fourteen hour TBS marathon. <laughs> That's true. Oh my god, can you imagine with commercials? No, no, no. I just realized at some point they're gonna marathon it on TBS where you get the three Hobbit movies followed by the three Lord of the Rings movies, and you basically will like be a mummy by the time it's over. Yeah, I mean, I basically feel like it probably is going to be like not not as like flagrantly awful because nothing could ever hope to achieve those heights. But um, it probably will kind of be like the Star Wars, like, you know, the first three movies in terms of where it fits in the canon for me. Like, that thing that happened that I watched, but I wasn't really happy about it. And uh, Wait, do we, do we, do we think Smile will sound like Jar Jar Banks? No, I think that if you follow that to its logical but horrible conclusion, everyone will ignore the second two movies, uh, dump something that was canon in the first movie, and write a bajillion pieces of shitty fanfic wherein The Hobbit is, like, a sex slave. <laughs> cool. TP have to end on. <laughs> yeah, carry that into your nightmare hellscape, listeners. We need to end this. I have to end this. one of those doors groin, so... <laughs> None of the doors is named groin. <laughs> sure. She I also know. thought one of the doors was named Darfur. <laughs> Most of the names rhyme, and the only ones I can remember are Feely and Keely Sexy Dwarf, and that's about all I got. Please let it I end. I need Boingo Boingo in there. <laughs> Please. I'm sad about Keely and Philly, because they were the ones I liked best, and you know, we know what happens. <laughs> Wait, right. what happens? Did you die? There were not one of names I knew.